Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking about The Last Sayuki, and we are joined by our guest today, Eric. Yeah. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Do you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Thank you all for having me again. I am a general comic book nerd and podcaster. Same. My personal penance for myself is that every week I read everything in Shonen Jump. And I think you all have learned just how painful that can be. So I'm excited to talk to people who have experienced the (laughs) same torments that I have. Why do you do that to yourself, man? A guy in our Discord, he doesn't post, he posts on different Discord where he actually gives star ratings. So I'd be curious if you ever thought about doing that where you actually rank every chapter since you read everything in Shonen Jump. Eric, though, I also want to make a note that we actually are having you on the show because you actually filled out a form we have on our site where if people listening are interested in being a guest, I'll include it in the show notes as well, where we are always looking for guests. So we have a form you can fill out just saying, hey, this is me. This is what I'm doing. This is why I'd love to be on this show. And we always try and at least have it like every quarter, or every three months or so trying to get a guest so we can really interact more with the community. So thanks so much for filling that out and saying, hey, I want to be a guest on the show. I also want to give a shout out to OverMangaCast for figuring out the cover art reference for our episode on Stan. That was a really fun one. So it seems like that might be a fun thing. So maybe we'll keep doing it where the first person to message us when we make that post saying, hey, I know what this is making fun of. 10 points. This cover art, guys, would you agree this is probably going to be a big old softball in getting the reference? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind Kind of one of the most well-known properties in uh, mainstream nerd media of the past 10 years or so. Yeah, unlike this series, which I would say is not mainstream media. So why don't we get into, though, telling the audience a little bit about this manga? I would say that one third of this manga's title is mainstream media. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's get into it. So first of all, a note from our wonderful researcher, Tucker, who says Sayuki is the Japanese name of the traditional Japanese legend Journey to the West. Oh, yeah. So it's quite interesting. I wonder why they chose to call it that instead of just actually calling it like a reference to Journey to the West. Well, because it was Japanese, David. Fine. But yeah, but I mean, they've, they've done that before where you know what I mean. Usually speaking, when it's like anime, they usually do just call it Seiyuki. Mm. There's like literally 10 different anime called Seiyuki. Fair. Eric, how familiar are you with Journey to the West? Not at all. You ever see uh, Dragon Ball Z? Or the original Dragon Ball? <laughs> I sure haven't. Because when I was thinking about Whoa. what recommendations to do later, I was like, I don't think I've actually seen a single other Journey to the West adaptation. So literally all I know is that somehow it's Dragon Ball. I refuse to believe that. The thing about Journey to the West is that it is probably the single most influential uh, work of fiction on anime and manga. Like, hmm there is absolutely no doubt in my mind. If you read every single issue that appears in Shonen Jump, then you've absolutely read manga that copy its plot points. Yeah. Oh, sure. I guess I just couldn't think of anything that was like as blatant, I guess, as this one is, you know, if like literally Sayuki in the title. I mean, Dragon Ball, the character's name is Goku. Yeah. Dragon Ball started off as like an adaptation of Journey to the West and yeah. then Toriyama got bored. Yeah. And then he threw aliens and shit in. It changed before that, but yes. Basically, Shonen Jump was like, Toriyama, hey, uh, this manga is not doing well at all. This Journey to the West adaptation. He's like, fuck it, I'll make a fighting tournament then. And that worked. Yeah, Journey to the West 
kind of is structured like a very proto manga in a way because yes. it's kind of just a story that the author just kept adding material on like it's not like someone sat down and said I'm gonna write a book they just kind of like I have a bunch of cool ideas I'm gonna keep it going as long as I have ideas like I think there's like a very very long YouTube series where they summarize Journey of the West and the fact that so long despite them summarizing it and it yeah. really is kind of a manga structure where it's just kind of mini arcs they add characters they do there's a lot of filler to it where they're literally like there's like 12 chapters where nothing important happens just to pace the story and it just literally is broken into different arcs of different villains and like different power-ups the main character gets if you've read a manga where like you know you're following a group of guys and they're just walking through forests and they're like on a mission to deliver something or something like that i don't know and they're just hanging out in a forest that's influenced by journey to the west and shit so journey to the west is just the origin of dudes being dudes basically <laughs> In manga, yes, pretty much. And you got one dude who's like, wow, they're just like way too strong for everybody else. Man, this one dude, he can get shot and he's fine and he pushes it off because he's Goku. Yeah, he's literally Goku. I don't know as much about Journey to the West as I think I do. You know more than the average American, so that's still a lot. But I think enough about that. Why don't we talk about the series as well? So though this series was created by Nanone J- uh, Daijiro, and they actually worked as an assistant to Mashihiro uh, Hirakata, a NAR author with canceled series under their belt, including Best Blue and smaller manga that I've never heard of. That author, though, is currently doing okay on Jump Plus with Debbie. The Corsophia is emulous. Wow. Yeah, what a title. What a title. <laughs> And that fun fact comes from Maxi B. Maxi B is hopefully going to be helping as much like Tucker with some additional contextual Shonen Jump series. So rather than from like a translation perspective, Maxi B is coming from more of like a Jump Historian perspective. And if you haven't, he was our guest in our last episode. Absolutely fantastic details on Zan, a very shit manga. But to get back into this, though, the author's other works include Moonto Black, which ran for 12 chapters, and Sagittari, which was a one shot. And this author actually hasn't done anything since, which I guess three years isn't crazy long, but I would have expected them to pop up back again maybe they're water shedding you know they were like all right i fucked this up give me a few years to just get better i mean yeah it was what five years between duran duran and golem hearts though that offer didn't really grow that much there was growth there was some growth it was an improvement but it wasn't five years of improvement it was what i would have expected after like two years off yeah you know but yeah, and this series ran from March 4th, 2019 to August 19th, 2019. It was three volumes and 24 chapters. All right, so let's get into the plot summary. So Jordan, though, why don't you kick things off and tell us what happened in the series? All right. Ryanosuke is a little kid who loves baseball. His mom died and he wants to join the baseball team at school. However, his deadbeat dad, Gohaku, shows up one day to give him a new little sister. Her name is Koharu. She has no arms or legs, is blind, and hasn't spoken since her parents died. Gohaku tells Ryu to take care of her, which leads to Koharu going to the hospital for heat stroke. And Ryu is punished for this by getting locked up in a dark room by his shitty dad, where he imagines a big monster but he thinks it's a dream. Then the monster attacks for real, but his dad saved him using the power pole from Dragon Ball. Literally. The monster is a manifestation of fear. It involves a complicated power system called Mao, where everyone's got a Mao, but normally it's in a box. If you let the Mao out of the box, it'll monsterize, and if you kill it, you'll be free of the fear. There's more to it, but uh, I don't know how else. (laughs) It's complicated. Anyway, Koharu is a celestial dragon. Popcorn David. (laughs) I'm just thinking Mao in a box. Oh, baby. (laughs) That's what you're gonna get is Mao in a box. Oh, that would have actually been a fun cover art, too. Nah, I think what we picked was probably the best. Nah, what we did was fine. 
uh, especially because they're little kids. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, we're not school judgment here. Yeah, yeah. This series is not creepy like that. We'll get into that in the positives, though. Speaking of monsters, <laughs> the monster appears and Ryo defeats it with his own power pole, which is special because it can change shape on the fly. Gohaku takes Ryu and Koharu to the magical world where everyone is a stand user. We meet Estelle, not to be confused with the singer and cast member of Steven Universe. Or Estelle Getty from uh, Golden Girls. We meet Estelle, an 11-year-old who is obsessed with fake Sailor Moon as a way to cope with the death of her mother. I think, yeah, I think that is the case, Jordan. I think. It's complicated, but she spends a very long time telling us about it. There's a creepy kid named Sai, and, and Koharu and Sai are half Goku, not that one that you're thinking of. But kind of that one that you're thinking of. Koharu has a Yami Yugi inside of her named Kei, who is a manifestation of the apocalypse. Maybe. Yeah, this series is not very sure about a lot of things. Divine beings want to become true humans, which I believe is the secret ending in Shin Megami Tensei Nocturne. So they have to suppress their emotions. There's a justification for a why, but it's long in this series. Just the series really was both pretentious and didn't know what it wanted. And then... It had a lot to say and in the process of doing so wound up not saying very much. Yeah, but... <laughs> Popcorn, Eric. Then they spend like 10 chapters discussing the mythological connections between the Ramayana and Journey to the West. And I'm going to be honest, I think you have to know more about them than I do in order to follow. Right now, the biggest enemy is the fear of a natural disaster that will destroy the Earth. And Koharu is the Earth, and she was created by Ryonosuke's mother. Aside, I will say I have read this series twice, and I still don't fully understand that either. And people no. can't open their mouth anymore because of science. Gohaku was never hugged by his dad and that's why he loved his wife Momo who he also physically abused okay the, this is getting dark now I feel ugh, inappropriate about joking about any of it yeah. everyone wants the perfect ultimate power source which is a really nice ball Oswald never could have made that shot from that angle the world ends maybe I have absolutely truly no idea what happens next but there's a time skip to when everyone is older and the comic just ends and if there's anything that I think that's summary is going to let the listeners know it is that this was a massive fucking tonal whiplash of a comic. It really was. There were moments where it was like very sweet and then it just like murder. Like this comic felt like it was trying to be Chainsaw Man sometimes. It kind of had the same idea as Chainsaw Man where it's all about the level yeah. of fear, which I think this came out before Chainsaw Man, though. It came out in 2019. I thought Chainsaw Man was already out by then. Yeah, Chainsaw Man started... Oh, no, you're right. This is after Chainsaw Man was 2018. You were completely right, Jordan. So this did rip off Chainsaw Man. Yeah, thank you. It was only like three months difference or something like that. It was relatively quick after. It feels like I'm reading this uh, very child-friendly manga, and then I turn the page, and suddenly I'm reading Jujutsu Kaisen. And then I turn the page, and I'm reading Biichi But I again. think we can talk about that and why it failed, because <laughs> we still got some characters to go through. Yes, 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 yes. So first of all, we've got Ria Nosuke, loves baseball, third grader, dead mom, super brave, good with his power pole. That is not a euphemism because he is like nine years old. You were talking about tonal whiplash. Ria Nosuke is a great example of that because he's supposed to be like eight years old. And he's written like he's 15. He's written like the character from yeah. Godspeed, where it's just like he just gets so angry all the time. He gets so mad, but he's also like a great dude. Everybody says that he's a really good guy is what I mean by that. Just like how in the room, everybody keeps telling Tommy, you're my best friend and you're such a great guy. Kind of like that with Ryunosuke, yeah. where his dad's just like, man, you care so much about your disabled little sister after you spent the entire first chapter complaining about her. And I'm like, uh, if you say so. 
the thing about Ryunosuke is all the best parts of his character are theoretical and not what's actually done. Yeah. Because like when yes. I was reading it, I was like, theoretically, it could be interesting to have a protagonist who like is actually a bratty child because he's an elementary yeah. school student and it makes sense that he's not doing a good job being forced to be a parent. Except then everyone decides he suddenly is. And after letting his sister have a heat stroke, everyone's just like, well, you care now. Everyone loves you. There's no actual redemption arc. It's just I've decided for my own sake to be less of a douche. I just think it's dumbfounding that they made him like eight years old, given this plot. You can pull this off if you, uh... Artatsuki Fujimoto. That's not a fair comparison. You're right. Fujimoto could have pulled this plot off. Well, he does, because Denji is a selfish piece of shit. Yes, exactly, actually. That's a very good point. I think part of it is just that uh, Denji has fun. Ryanosuke does not have fun. Yeah. I mean, Denji is like the id as a person, if I'm not getting that backwards. Yeah. I think we talked about in the chainsaw how Denji, Power, and, uh, shit, what's his name? Aki. Yeah, they represent the id, the ego, and the super ego, in my opinion. Yeah, I always get them confused, too, sometimes, but I feel like Power and Denji are both kind of id-like in their own way, but anyway, we're not talking about the last Seiyuki. Tell us, Jordan, tell us about the magical girl of this series, but not the, uh, the one that's literally trying to be a magical girl. So Koharu is a little girl with no arms or legs, and she is blind. To hide the fact that she has no arms or legs, they gave her mannequin doll parts. So I was very offended. At I thought she was created with them, it turns out. David, I have no idea. Maybe she did. Maybe she was. I don't know. This series was very confusing, but I got extremely offended reading the first chapter of this series, and I gotta say, it does a much better job of yeah. treating Koharu as it goes on. There's a couple instances, like when Estelle shows up, it was so sweet because she actually takes care of Koharu and she does a better job of it. And it was very sweet to just see like this little girl. Oh, this slightly older girl is taking care of her in a good way. All right. Hey. Yeah. And I mean, like she also gains some semblance of independence. I yes. actually thought it was clever how since she can levitate, she can fake walking using her levitation abilities. I thought that was cool, too. Yeah. Yeah. She like uses telekinesis to move her prosthetic limbs around. And yeah, it gives her the ability to walk around around and like you could if you wanted to just be like oh they took away some of her disability you know blah, blah, blah. but I'm not going to do that because I just think it is such an improvement for how they did it in the first chapter she becomes a character with like her own voice it's still not mm -hmm. like great just because the series in general is not written well but I mean I kind of felt bad for how mean I was to the series initially yes but Eric, do you mind telling us about the dad? Yeah, so the father is like Link A in the chain of abuse here, where he is yeah. Link A, then Ryunosuke, then Koharu, then... Ugh. But basically, his main defining visual signifiers are that he has an extremely long nose that is not commented upon. It's just a very big pointy nose, and he has an eye patch. There's actually a very obvious reason, to me at least, why he has a long nose, and and that is that Kite from Hunter Hunter has a long nose. And he looks exactly <laughs> like Kite from Hunter Hunter. He does, doesn't he? They don't explain the eye patch, right? I don't remember them ever mentioning it. They mention it once, and I don't think they explain how it is. Like, this series also reminds me a lot of Samurai 8, just in how it is structured and how it ends. Like, because Samurai 8 ended with basically a teaser for a sequel series that never got written. 
that was probably going to be much more interesting. Yes, and this series does the exact same thing, where it just ends with like, oh man, tune in next week for their adventures. Oh, I'm just kidding, actually, the manga's we over. We got canceled, yeah, never mind. never mind, but... Uh... Hungry Joker does the exact, literally ends identically, where it's all the characters together about to fight the last arc. Yeah, Hungry Joker does that too. It's like when like a child's pet dies, and you're like, oh, it's not over. It's just, uh, it's just going oh, to the farm. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. But <laughs> so next up, that was Sai, who is second in command in the Followers of Chaos. Looks like a little kid, evil bad guy, but I guess becomes a good guy at the end based does on he? the time skip. Yeah, he's with them at the end. Yeah, you're right. He is. Yeah. Yeah, so he just has a complete redemption arc that they just don't show. We never find out what happened, but I guess in the uh, unspecified number of years between the time skip, some stuff happened that I guess was not important enough for us to know. So Yeah, and he was like originally one being with Koharu, so it's kind of like a yin-yang, I guess. They were both Goku. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. So... <laughs> My only reference is Dragon Ball. Is there a second Goku there? Is there some clone shit no. in fucking Journey to the West? What is happening? I don't think there is. You could argue that Cell is kind of a clone of Goku. And there are a bunch of characters who look like Goku. There's Goten, obviously, who is his son. Uh, Eric, you were asking about Journey to the West, not Dragon Ball Z, right? Uh, well, kind of both. Journey of the West, I don't think there's any siblings or clones of the Monkey King. But we also don't know shit about the intricacies of Journey to the West. There might be. I am actually surprised, though, they didn't split the name Goku into two pieces. Like Go and Ku? She could have been like Goharu and he could have been like Kuai or something. Here's the problem, David. This series relies on pretty in-depth knowledge of Journey to the West. And to be fair, it is a level of knowledge that maybe as a Japanese reader who grew up in Japan, it's a level of knowledge that I might know. I don't know exactly how well known this stuff is. It's kind of like how we talk about um, in Gunblaze West, where it's like, well, any American would understand where these Wild West tropes come from. Maybe that's the same thing. But regardless, reading it as a an American? I don't know. Maybe that was a pun on something. Yeah, I <laughs> honestly have no idea why they thought the series would be a good idea to professionally fully translate. It was like right after Jump started like doing all of them. It was just kind of by default, you know, because like the round before this was like Chainsaw Man and Hellward and Higuma, like back when they first started doing everything. Oh man, Hellward and Higuma. Oh, what a series. What a blast from the past. Would it be more fun to discuss Hell Warden Higuma? Is that actually better than this? No. But it would be fun to talk about Estelle, because at least it makes me think of Steven Universe. Oh, wait, no, that was, sorry, that was Sia who was in <laughs> Tokyo Shinobi Squad. Yes. So Estelle, though, is 11 years old. She uses their, like, magic system, and she's part of the Monster Defense Island. She does not look 11 years old at all. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't mean that in the sense that she's, like, over-sexualized. I mean in the sense that, no, she literally looked, like, she's drawn to be 16. Like, literally, she looks 16. Yeah, the author keeps making her boobs appear and disappear. Because oh, I think he, God. likewise, forgot yeah. she was supposed to be prepubescent. I don't think that he's trying to sexualize her, but I think that's just how he draws. Yeah, like, remember the mom had giant bazongas for no reason. Yeah, honestly, when I'm reading manga, my perception of how big boobs are just kind of goes out the window because, like, I just assume if I'm reading manga, they're just, as a default, gonna have big boobs, and that's just average in that world, just because that's how it is. <laughs> 
Oh, God. All right. She's probably, I think, the best character in the series. Yeah, I agree. Would you call her a Sora? So, uh, Eric, for reference, that's just when there's a character that's substantially better written than everyone else in a series, and that comes from Beast Children. I did read Beast Children. I did read that one. Oh, God, why would you do that? But so you know what we mean, though, by how Sora was just the only character that was any writing effort was put in. Maybe this is going to be unpopular if I'm about to compare Beast Children as being better than something. It is. I don't know if I would call Estelle a Sora because I think it's less that Estelle has anything interesting so much as it just feels like a more just base competent sort of concept of a character in comparison to abusive child who suddenly isn't considered abusive and then just object sister, you know, because it's like she has her whole thing of we get her motivation, we get the backstory with the mom, she has like a unique visual whatever thing like the magical girl theme compared to the other characters but she's not actually cool or interesting it just feels like the writer came up with a character profile and finished it which is more than half of the other cast that's the thing is Sora isn't like an exquisitely well-written character it was just he is like a c minus in a c of d's and f's yeah yeah i suppose so I think that it is difficult to argue that the series would not be immediately improved if Estelle was the main character versus Ryanosuke. Oh, for sure. She would just be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's also the only character with any backstory. She actually takes care of Koharu in, like, the most heartwarming part of the entire series. There's, like, just a couple pages of, like, oh, they're hanging out, they're taking a bath together. She bathes this child, this young child. Thank God somebody is bathing her. Didn't even realize until just now. Does this mean that Ryanosuke was in charge with bathing Koharu this whole time? There's no way he actually did that. Probably, because, like, he was taking her to the bathroom and everything. Jesus. That poor girl. This author picked a very bad way to start this series. Yeah, but we have one more character to talk about, so... Oh yeah, the guy who looks like he was out of Demon Slayer. Yeah, so Eric, do you mind telling us about Estelle's master? So we have Nero Furuka, who is allegedly 32 years old (laughs) and is the master, a senior official, like one of the high-ranking people at the organization that Ryunosuke's dad works for and just like does all the plot exposition about what the fuck is going on. And listeners, if you haven't read it, this is a child. They say he is 32. (laughs) He is the same height, same everything. (laughs) And emotionally, he just sort of supports crushes his emotions and acts like he doesn't care but he has the whole sort of oh i do care about estelle but i won't acknowledge it he's sundere <laughs> he's sundere yeah yeah not like i like you or anything estelle i mean it's an interesting contrast with levi who is likewise a fully grown adult who's extremely short like levi is what five two i think you mean from uh attack on titan yeah that's what i thought <laughs> Because Levi, you can tell this is just a short, fully grown adult. Nero, they just have to tell you he is not a child. You know what, man? We support our short kings. Yes. But the main thing you got to know about Nero is, all right, so if you've seen an anime that came out after My Hero Academia, then you have seen this character. He's an instructor. He's just tired and nonplussed, and he has huge black bags under his eyes to show that he's exhausted and kind of out of it. This has been in so many things that I've seen since My Hero Academia. You've all seen this character, and that's who this is. So he's Aizawa with every single cool thing stripped away. 
Yeah, I think it's just how the artist is deciding to draw his hair, but his hair just looks like it comes from Demon Slayer, you know? Yeah, I mean, this guy is clearly ripping off everything that's currently successful in Shonen Jump when he made this series. Yeah, and hey, you know, that's how you start. <laughs> it is, but I think that's a good way though to segue into what the series didn't do so well because this series had a very bad start. So, Jordan, I know you love this series, so it's going to oh, pay yeah. for you to say, what do you think the series did not do so well besides the things we've already brought up? The basic issue is that the writer is just, he can't write. Yeah. He just can't write. Like, there are so many parts of this series where the dialogue is literally just like, what do you mean the thing you just said is happening? What do you mean that's going on? Like, what do you mean I'm responding to what you just said in a way that tells the viewer what you just said? It's so tell, don't show. And the problem is there is maybe like a brief window of time where the artist kind of leans on his art ability and he takes the focus off the dialogue for like two or three chapters, I started thinking, is this a good series? And then the author decided, all right, now I got to do world building. So let me explain to you this world. And then I realized, oh no, this is not a good series because the author is just totally unable to communicate the basics of this story and the world in a way that is coherent. It is constantly switching. It is just completely jumbled. It is impossible to follow after a certain point. Yeah, this series just didn't make any sense, and the author was just overwriting everything. Yeah. He is a good artist. He should just draw. He should not be writing. Yes. I think that maybe someday he will be able to write, but it is not this day. Yeah, and to add to that with the, the everything you've shown, everything only is talked about when it's relevant. Like, for instance, yes. I think it's like in chapter four, they talk about, oh, he mentioned this shit to his friend, and that caused everything. Why didn't you just show him mentioning this during that scene when he was on the baseball team instead of inventing a flashback? He didn't realize that the friend would be a part of a, the manga. Yes, Jordan, I'm aware that the answer to everything <laughs> is why didn't he do this? Because he's not good at writing. He just came up with it right before he did it. Yes. <laughs> you know how 90% of Shona manga are written. Yeah. And to be fair, it doesn't do it as poorly as Zahn did it, but yeah. it's still, you don't want to be on the spectrum where you're getting compared to Zahn at all. Like Zahn fucking sucks. But Eric, how about you? What were some negatives that you identified? Like the main thing, even just conceptually going against it, is that all of the most potentially interesting aspects of the plot are things that you just can't do in Weekly Shonen Jump. You know, mm -hmm. where like I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, like Ryunosuke, you could do something interesting with just, oh, this protagonist is unlikable and awful because he's literally a child who's been child yeah. abused. But this is Weekly Shonen Jump, so we have the children reading it. They want their hero to identify with we're not going to get a well-written treatise on like cycles of abuse it's just not going to happen what we're going to get right. is Ryunosuke says well I was locked in a room with the lights off and so I've decided I know how you feel being blind and now I'm yeah. gonna be a good brother and we're gonna go from there and I'll be your hero and of course you're just gonna love me and call me big brother and why would you ever complain about when I let you get a seizure because you're an object that exists for me to love and to be loved. Yeah, the series of the star is so fucking pretentious. Also, I want to highlight throwing someone in a room is actually generally considered one of the most barbaric forms of torture. 
It was harrowing. He shoved his young child into a dark room and was not going to open the door. Like, he just left. He was not, like, keeping track of him or anything. The only way he got out of it was that his little sister decided to bash her head in against the door until it opened. Why didn't she use her telepathy to just open it? The author didn't realize she could do that yet. Okay. That reminds me, I think the big issue with this series is that if we were allowed to have complex feelings about Ryanosuke, it would feel better. But we're not allowed to because the author keeps telling us, no, he's actually very mature and he's actually like really nice. He's an old soul. It's a similar thing with um, Tokyo Shinobi Squad. I bring up how the author is constantly like, Jim is so cool, isn't he? Look how cool he is. All these characters talk about how cool Jim is. It's like this, except they're like, man, Ryanosuke is such a nice guy. Yeah. There's a point where his dad is just like, you know something, Ryanosuke? Most kids would have only cared about themselves in this situation, but you really care about Koharu. And it's like, I just read a chapter where I got pissed at how he did not care about Koharu and only cared about himself. What are you talking about? It's like really like character and consistency too yes like the moments where Ryonosuke will say something that's correct and he'll say being selfish but he'll have the like knowledge and awareness to be like the way that my dad pushed you on me and like made me responsible for taking care of you was fucked up of him and it's like am I supposed to believe Ryonosuke has that mature of an understanding of like neglect and bad parenting but also is so uncaring that he's going to leave his disabled sister without any help to the point where she has a heat stroke like which one is it? Yeah, like NPS should have intervened after the heat stroke incident and he would have lost access to his children. NPS? Or uh, CPS. Child Protective Services. Yeah. I didn't know if you looked up the exact uh, no. Japanese board that carries that and you're like, oh, they're called NPS. But no, to give an example of what I was talking about with his dad, you can have this type of character. You 100% can. Gon's dad is an example of this from Hunter Hunter, where yeah. he's just like a shitty dad, but the way he's portrayed is very uh, complicated and Takahashi lets you hate him. Yeah. Also, like characters pretty consistently say, Gon, you are a giant piece of shit. Like, Leorio literally punches him in the face. Nobody says that Gon is a piece of shit. Everybody says Gein is a piece of shit. Or sorry, Gein. Like, Leorio's like, Gein, why the fuck haven't you visited your son that's in the hospital? One of the best moments in the entire series, by the way. Yeah, I love that moment. Or remember when he was trying to leave again and everyone yelled at him so he had to stay and wait? Yeah. The way that every hunter is united and thinking Ging is a douchebag. It's so good. It's so good. It's almost like Hunter Hunter is a well-written manga. Yes. Like yeah. Oh my God, we're doing it again. We're talking about a better manga instead of the one we're supposed to be talking about. We're talking about one of the best manga in comparison yes, yes, to yes. this. Speaking of bad writing, I always fucking hate when these series have a magical memory eraser button because it lets the author say, hey, we don't need to worry about long-term repercussions for anything. I don't have to worry about having challenges to the status quo. I can just keep phoning it in because we'll remove your memories after we have the adventure of the week. Men in Black is the only time where it was cool. Yeah, I can't even get mad about it because the method in which they do it was weirdly like cute. They have this big, weird, goofy dude, this big, weird, goofy like monster or whatever. And it's just like turns its head and like sucks out your memories. And then it smiles and gives a thumbs up to the camera. It actually looks like David, are you familiar with the Moomins? The finish thing, right? I have a Moomin uh, water bottle actually in my room. 
Hey, but yeah, it looks like a moomin. I actually really liked that uh, that little du- that little dude. Aww. He doesn't appear enough in the series. Oh, I had one last negative I want to say is that I think the pacing improves around chapter 14, but then it gets really fast paced. We get like Zon style chapters where literally you read it for 30 seconds. And I can imagine reading that weekly and being like, OK, so like pretty much 10 seconds of content actually happen in this chapter, which is better than it being an insane amount of text. But still, I would have been like very unsatisfied reading this week to week with the pacing that it took for like the next 10 chapters. David, there was a point in this series towards the very end where I felt like I was watching the two last episodes of Evangelion. <laughs> Just like the way in which it was so abstract, except not interesting, like not with any of the subtext. Like what if the last two episodes were just as hard to follow, but had nothing interesting to say? While we're on the topic of bad things... <laughs> Can we also just briefly mention how horribly the baseball metaphor was handled? Yeah. (laughs) Honestly, parts of the first chapter could have been the backstory in a baseball manga where we have little Ryunosuke at the park with his big titty mommy and he's watching the players and he's so excited. And I think like his mom caught a home run ball for him and it was just, oh my God, I love baseball to the point that I'll abuse my sister so I can go play it after school and she can get heat stroke, who cares? But like, it just keeps coming up and like they try to do like visual parallels between the way he like uses his staff and like the way he would swing a baseball bat. But the physical motions don't match and it never works. And he just keeps talking about home runs or whatever the fuck. He has a thrusting weapon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what it feels like is that the author had an idea for the first chapter or whatever. He wrote it and then went back to read it to write the next one and was like, oh my God, this chapter sucks. I need to course correct. But the problem is he still had to stick with the things he set up in the first chapter. So like, well, he's a baseball guy and I call this the last Sayuki. So he's got to use the power pole, I guess. All right. Well, whatever. I guess I'm stuck with that. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's. <laughs> he was not able to recover because he is not a good enough writer to pull that off. He is not. He does still have some good ideas. So why don't we migrate into what it did well? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Eric, though, speaking of things that are positive, having you on the show is definitely a big positive in my life. So can you tell us, though, what were some things you actually liked about the series? So I remember reading this as it came out like three years ago, and I remember liking it, which I now look back on myself and I wonder (laughs) if that says more about who I was as a person then or about the quality of other jump manga at the time. But to be kind to myself, the things that are good about it is that the art is much better than it has any business being with how horrible the story is. It's not that it's like aesthetically really unique or creative so much is there's just really strong visual storytelling fundamentals here where like this is an artist who knows he's drawing a comic knows how to lead the eye across the page Mm -hmm. knows to vary his page compositions knows how to build visual momentum change his angles change the perspective i don't think it actually necessarily looks cool the monster designs especially are boring but there's just visually if you gave like a writer to this artist and they like co-produced a series or just you know if his writing caught up to where his art is at this person would be capable of making something much better than this yeah there are plenty of art writers that he could team up with and truly create a good manga 
Yeah, like the fact is that his art style is kind of generic, which is actually a good thing if he needs a writer. Like, I'll give you an example. A Rocky could never, ever have his work be written by anybody else. Nobody else could make that art style seem even remotely good unless he was writing it. This guy, though, his art style is like generic enough where this guy can kind of, you can just shove him in anywhere. And he is extremely like on a fundamental level. This guy has a really strong sense of design. Like you're talking about um, composition. There is a level of depth that shows up in this manga, just in terms of how things are drawn that you just straight up do not see in most manga. Like the manga where I've seen some of this stuff is Chainsaw Man. But again, that's only on a visual level and only sometimes. Obviously, Chainsaw Man is still better than this in literally every way. But again, like I can go from comparing this, the writing to Zod, and now I'm comparing the art to Chainsaw Man. This is kind of at the midpoint in some ways between Zod and Chainsaw Man. But I actually think this guy is very talented. He shows off a level of solidity with his art that you don't see. And I also genuinely really liked a lot of the monster's designs because it's not just the designs. It's how he draws them and how he places them in the composition and the angle you see them from. And it just makes it like so much more interesting. I also, as we talked about, this art doesn't sexualize the children, which uh, that's how low our standards are given school judgment. I have to say, at least the children, for the most part, are drawn actually like children, maybe drawn a year or two older than they should have been. But it's just to be honest, it's very difficult to make a series where the protagonist is that young. So I have to at least say that he gave it a good effort. And, and I guess on that note, though, of growing, this is a series where you can really see him improving. Like, yeah. I legitimately look forward to his next manga. The quality from chapter one to the later chapters is dr- drastic and I legitimately think that his next manga will probably be a hit like the My Hero Academia guy. Yeah, there's clearly growth going on there. Like, there is a legitimate period in between uh, 12 to 14, I think, is when you really start noticing an increase in quality. Oh, I noticed it immediately, like chapter two through four, even because what happens is he starts relying more on visual storytelling. Yeah, the text drastically decreases. The text drastically decreases and then it drastically increases. Oh, yeah, because he doesn't have time to show anything. When the text is decreased, there were moments where I was like, is this series good? And then the text just rapidly increases. You stop seeing things happen like visually and stuff and the quality just drops again. Yeah, which I think might be a good segue into where it could have gone, though. Eric, did you have anything else you'd like to add? Essentially just uh, seconding more or less everything you all said. Awesome. Cool, we'd like to hear that. So why don't we go into where it could have gone? So Eric, if you had the ability to have changed things about the series, what would you have probably done differently? The main thing, and this sort of gets back to the conflict of like, what could you actually do in Shonen Jump? But if I'm just going with the story and not necessarily worrying about, I guess, standards and practices, it's like the (laughs) stuff about just abuse here, I think you could actually make an interesting story where if you had an offer who wasn't afraid to make Ryunosuke a much more gray character morally, you know, like I think the relationship between him and the sister and the father i think if you just leaned more into the character stuff there that mm-hmm. could have been good and we were talking about amanda go like how the pacing sort of like slows and stops with the amount of text and all of that and like there's a period in the middle where when he's not using as much text and not doing as much lore dumping and everything where it gets more mm-hmm. enjoyable and seems good and honestly if the series had kept going i think it might have been able to even out to a point where it was more good than bad like it was 
was with some of the Estelle stuff if he didn't then have to rush in. All of that world building or rather world ending in the last couple of chapters where it's like, um, um, let me throw this in real quick. I just wish this was like a webcomic. You know how 90% of webcomics you really do not want to start at the beginning because it sucks? Yep. There's some comics that if you stick with it, the author grows so much that the comic eventually just becomes significantly better. And I feel like this was really a series that might have wound up this way, but it was not allowed to because it's shown in jump. This also just shows how important it is to not uh, have a really shitty first chapter. Yeah. I think what this series really needed is to have a different POV character. Like, I brought up Estelle as the POV. Maybe she could have been the POV. And what's important is this POV character would have looked at Ryanosuke and they would they would have formed a more complicated opinion about him. Like they would have seen, oh, wow, everybody's telling Ryanosuke like, uh, oh, he's a great guy. But really, it's like, can he handle this? He's not he's not handling this perfectly. I will also say, by the way, this came out after Chainsaw Man. So you legitimately could have child abuse as a plot at this point. Like that was really, I think, a door that Chainsaw Man opened where glad you got that. <laughs> this really is a series I think that could have done what it wanted, but I think the author just was afraid and he also wasn't good enough to talk about that in a well-made like because look at the way he handled people with disability. He was not going to handle child abuse appropriately. And to be fair, again, we talked about him improving. He got way better at handling disability as the series went on. But that first impression was so awful. It like tainted the rest of the series. And especially because he still had to keep that in continuity with uh, the rest of the series. I also think fundamentally he's just not good enough to do it. No, he's not. I think it's possible he worked very hard on this, but just does not fundamentally have the storytelling skills to pull it off. I totally agree. I also, by the way, had an idea where what if it was a different direction and the series was just really campy and like over the top and it was like a supernatural baseball league. Yeah. And it was Nine Paul's Dragon where their opponents are all monsters. This is one of those things where it neither needed to take itself more seriously or significantly less seriously. It is currently in a middle place that is bad for it. Yeah. You don't want to be mediocre at anything. That's the worst place to be. Yes, exactly. The more we describe the idea of it getting drastically different, the better it sounds. The further we get from what it presently is. Yeah. There are, again, moments in this series where I feel like somebody took a good manga and then just erased all the dialogue boxes and wrote them in very poorly with their terrible story. This was his goodbye, Airy. <laughs> If Fujimoto and him had the same, like, idea that created Goodbye Airy, this is the series that he had using the same idea. I would love to see a version of this where somebody just handed Fujimoto the art with all the dialogue boxes erased and he just wrote in what he thought was happening. It's like the Doom comic where the guy had the art and then he had to create the dialogue <laughs> after. Rip and tear! You have huge guts! <laughs> I think we haven't ever talked about that manga before, but... Doom manga, yeah! Yeah, yeah! <laughs> That's kind of a miscellaneous thought, so let's migrate over there, okay? Yeah. So I'm going to kick things off where I think this series, speaking of how bad the first chapter is, I think chapter five with the baseball fiend would have been a really good chapter two or possibly chapter one, depending on how he can compress it, because it covers all the bases. It shows the impact of him talking about the monsters. It establishes the world and it has an interesting fight without any of that kind of patronizing elements of either the main character or his sister. That's really it is. I think if they had made chapter five, chapter two, the series probably would would have done much better. Yeah, dude, if they made chapter two, chapter one, Mm -hmm. this series would have done better. Yeah. I also appreciate how much One Piece and Hunter Hunter establish competent adults, despite the protagonists being children. Yeah. Which I really, really like because this series falls into that trap where, oh, only the kids can solve these problems for no real reason. Yeah. And even the competent adult is is drawn like a child. 
Yeah, this series really fucks that up. It treats the kids like they should be the adults, but it doesn't do it in an interesting or intentional way. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Eric? <laughs> what are some miscellaneous thoughts on your mind? I would agree with what you just said. We're like, there's not really meaningful differentiation between the adults <laughs> and the kids and like competency or maturity. I think some of the demon stuff had more potential than what was here in terms of just like the idea of these monsters being directly related to fear and ideas of impossibility and stuff. It's mm -hmm. not that I think the individual like base concepts in this series were bad so much as it just tried to fit in like 17 different things at once and it overloaded because it's like we're doing a journey to the west thing but we're gonna cover it in baseball metaphors that interrupt a story about child abuse that we're not acknowledging as child abuse there is a lot of overlap between the plot in this manga and samurai 8 that is true Especially the way that Samurai 8 also fucks up by ending when it just devolves into its own um, lore dumping. And this series has the same thing. And then it also ends in the exact same way. Both series have great art. Samurai 8's writing is significantly better yeah. than Last Sayuki. So, like, Samurai 8 is still a better series, but, like, it's interesting all the overlap. It's kind of crazy that series dealt with gender dysphoria. Right? <laughs> Such a strange element of that series. It was, like, really, like, amazing for Shonen Jump. It was shocking to see it, Shonen Jump. This series did not deal with that. Nope. It would not have handled it very well. It tried handling a different, very uh, difficult topic, which, hey, uh, Samurai 8 also dealt with extreme disability. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Yeah. But um, do you guys have any other miscellaneous thoughts, or should I read some fun facts from Maxi B? I feel like I've said pretty much everything that I could possibly think of about this series. How about you, Eric? Uh, no, you're good. Okay, so before we go into final verdict, I'm just going to read off some really interesting trivia from Maxi B. So, fun fact, Jordan, the assistant for this series made Bone Collection, so he had a great mentor. Oh, boy! You know what, David? The artist definitely did not make Bone Collection. <laughs> the series that replaced this was Mission Family. It's the longest-running series currently in Shonen Jump that doesn't have an anime. Just how much manga running in Shonen Jump right now has the word family in it? That's the only one in Shonen Jump. Spy Family is not in Shonen Jump. What about High School Family? Fuck, I forgot about that. <laughs> How did you forget about High School Family? Because it's the Gomez show. <laughs> you're right. You're right. That that series should be called the Gomez. It's like how uh, people just call uh, the first Indiana Jones Indiana Jones, even though it's supposed to be Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. And then um, he recommends, if you're curious about the series, read the author notes again, outline of the series development and character profiles. I wonder if this author will talk about like Guns Lose West where he's like, yeah, I real fucked up at the start. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But let's get to the final verdict. So you ready? Yeah. So I'm going to start things off with some six word summaries from Tucker. Shonen Jump flushed away a diamond. He really loved this series. T. Wolfwood, many great, interesting ideas. Mixed execution. Daniel from A Smashing Theory. Wish that time skip panel happened sooner. Agpa, the miracle worker in the Bogart. Andy's Islands. Stick through long, manga cut short. And I think that's their hey. first submission. So welcome to the team, Andy. Good job, Andy. Good first submission. And the laughing fool journey to the best flop yet. <laughs> Yo, it's the journey to the best. And then how about you, Jordan? Speaking of the best. Sometimes Samurai 8 and sometimes Beichi. Yep. And I want to say during this call, Rachel tried to video call me so I could see her dog. So this is the sacrifice Aww. I make while we record. You, you really care. Yes, I really do. You care in the same way that Ryanosuke cares. <laughs> oh, shush. You're so sweet <laughs> and care. Anyway, the <laughs> uh, How about you, Eric? What was your six-word summary? Don't let others' disabilities stop you. Boom. I love it. Got him. Fucking... 
destroyed. And mine, I promise I wrote this before the fans, but mine was Meanders Its Journey to the West. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty good one. It's very true. It's accurate. All right, but let's go and talk about flop or not. This one actually, I think, might be a little harder or not. So, Eric, will you lead us off? Is this a flop or not? Oh, God. This really is right on the middle of it, you know? Because, like, if I could just separate the art, but I can't. You cannot. And I think if it's on the middle, then that means that I have to say it's a flop because it doesn't manage to overcome the problems holding it back. But it's... There are much worse flops. I'm 100% with you. I think this is a flop. It is definitely not a certified flop like I was thinking based on the first chapter. Yeah, I think there were moments where the series actually wasn't a flop. There was a good period, much like level E, but ultimately then the series kind of got back into some bad habits when it needed to wrap itself up. Here's the thing about not being a flop. It isn't enough to just be not bad. You also have to be good. And the thing about this series is there are moments. This guy has the absolutely has the potential to be good. But unfortunately, if your art is great, but your writing is terrible, well, your art is informed by your writing. If you can't write that interesting things are happening, then you're not going to draw interesting things happening. Like this was the issue with school judgment. Obata is clearly an extremely talented artist, but he is not being given anything interesting to draw. So as a result, the art does nothing for me. Last Sayuki, the things are much more interesting than School Judgment because it's fucking School Judgment, but it's still not there. And so it is a flop. Mm -hmm. So Eric, what should someone check out instead of reading the last? When I was trying to think of things to recommend, my first thought was, what if you want to read a comic with a disabled character who is a character and not a fucking object? So my recommendation would be to read the series Sword from the X-Men line at Marvel that just wrapped up relatively recently. That has a disabled character named Wizkid, who is Mm -hmm. one of the best disabled characters I've ever seen in a comic, by which I mean one of the only ones that is allowed to be an actual character of interiority and motivations. There's a very low bar, but it, it is important when they clear it, yeah. you know? I was just thinking, you know something? If you really want to read a series about a guy who has to take care of his little sister who's very, uh, who's secretly like a monster and he has to like carry her around on his back, maybe there is like a popular manga with that exact same premise, perhaps called Demon Slayer? Yeah. I cannot believe I did not think of that connection. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. My recommendation is fucking Demon Slayer. You've recommended Demon Slayer like twice in three episodes. I mean, look, it is literally one of, if not the current most popular anime in the entire world. Yeah, so you don't need to recommend it. But my point is, as a result, I'm pretty sure it's been very influential recently. Fine. I recommended it as a joke. Not not really, though, because Demon Slayer is better than this, actually. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) All right. But my recommendation is another Shonen Jump manga, Maku-chan. If you want to see characters in wholesome settings, children interacting with monsters. So essentially, as he said, what if this series didn't take itself seriously? I think Maku-chan would be pretty close. And Ozzy Rat says, read um, Journey to the West, which is fair. I do not have the attention span to read it, but I wish I did. Okay. All right. (laughs) All right. All right. So y'all ready to go to shout outs? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. So as our time is wrapping up, Eric, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. This was a ton of fun talking to you about the last CQ with you. Where can people find all of the awesome things that you are doing in the world? Thank you again for having me. It was fun. I am on Twitter at Zorak Richardson. That is Zorak as in Space Ghost Mantis Enemy. And then Richardson. Yeah. 
I co-host the podcast Chris and Eric's Longbox Adventure, which is Mm -hmm. a comic book appreciation podcast where most of the things we discuss are actually good. So it's not torture reading, (laughs) which is fun. I also co-hosted Queering the Guillotine, which is just pop culture podcast from two gay people calling Naruto a bunch of words that straight people are not allowed to say. And (laughs) yeah, just have done a lot of comic talk on those and am also on Twitter, mostly just retweeting Digimon fan art. Oh, hell yeah. Digimon Tamers for life. Yes. Actually, Digimon Tamers is a good rec. That's if you want to see children dealing with parent abuse. That is actually the best recommendation. If you want to watch Evangelion for children, you should check out uh, Digimon Tamers. Yes, no cap. It's better than you think it is, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, speaking of things that are great, I want to give props to Jordan for making the opening ending theme, being a great co-host and helping with the editing. Oh, thanks. I want to give props to Merlyle for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Lyle Murr and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. I, Jordan, am actually going to go hiking with Nigel next week, so it'll be good to see him in person. Whoa! Awesome. Tell him I said hi. I will. I also want to give thanks to Dylan for assistance with editing. You can find his podcast, Anime Out of Context, at AnimeOutOfContext.com. Thanks to Tucker and Maxi B for assistance with pronunciation, translation, and other miscellaneous research. Thanks to T-Root, Ozzy Rat, and T-Wolfwood for being our awesome transcription volunteers. You can find them on our site as they become available. Jordan, anything you want to add? I would like to say thank you, David. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for editing. Aww. I've made this joke before, but thank you for being a friend. No. You can find us on Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website, shonenflop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And come join the Shonen Flop Discord. It's open to everyone, patron or not. Come hang out with us and talk about anime, games, or whatever else is on your mind. We also have a monthly movie night. We just watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yes, we did. It was most excellent. It was most excellent. Tune in. Our next one is going to be Are We Watching Deadpool or The Incredibles? So I want to give a shout out to Ozzy Rat for running that. You can find a link to the Discord on our site or in the show notes for this very episode. And though, speaking of Patreon, if you've been enjoying the podcast and want to help us keep going, consider subscribing to our Patreon. We have a ton of awesome perks like bonus episodes on Mago-chan, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, and PPPPPP. You could even be talking to us in the show warmups and helping us decide what to cover next. Eric is a super awesome patron, so thank you again for not only being on the show, but helping us keep the show running. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Eric. And on that note, let's read off some of our wonderful patrons. So, first of all, we have Choke Me Dad, <laughs> Harder Daddies, hashtag Sausage Fest 2022, and Ghost as our Chainsaw Man patrons. Moving down to the Dolphin Dead, we have Tracking Roving Animals for All Loving Girls and Wreckings Wolfwood. Then on the King of the Forest, we have Albie, Cram, Gabe Landau, Jacob, Andrew Galloway, Josh Robinson, Marty, Rachel, my lovely girlfriend. I hope you're having lots of fun in Florida. Scarlet Mirmidon, T, The Real Jory, and The BB King, BB The. Hey, I love all of you. I love you all. You're all so meaningful to me. You're so beautiful. All of you. Yes. <laughs> and then also thank you again, though, Eric, for filling out that form. If you are listening and you want to be a guest, you can find it on our website or in the show notes. We are always looking for guests and it's always a ton of fun recording with different people. We have a long list of people that are asking, so we ask you to be patient. We will try to get to people as we can. And as our show grows, we'll hopefully be able to also have guests on our Patreon content. Thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next Monday as we give our first thoughts on a very special series from an author that might be immortal. (gasps) Oh, Keanu Reeves. Yes. This has been David. This has been Jordan. This has been Eric. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers, and happy Father's Day. Keep on flopping, fathers. Yeah. Bye. Bye. (laughs)